welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. Father, we bless you. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you today for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that this is receiving season. It's a time where we get to receive and enjoy the salvation, the salvation of the finished work of Christ. And we get to be brides in this season. Look at somebody next to you and say, you get to be a bride today. You get to be, even the men, you get to be a bride. (laughs) Here's why. The Bible says that God calls his church the bride of Christ. So, you know, we always talk about how we're all sons of God, right? And so women are sons too. And so the feminists could feel offended at that. But on the other end, the Bible also calls us all brides. So men, you're also a bride. Now watch this. A good husband provides for his bride. (laughs) I said a good husband provides for his bride. Men, say amen. (laughs) Amen. <laughs> and the Bible says, husbands, we gotta love our wives as Christ. <laughs> as Christ loves the church. Now, one of the things that Christ did for the church was that the Bible says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus went to pre- prepare a place for his bride, a house. For his bride, a fully furnished house for his bride. You see, a, a good bride has the privilege of simply receiving what a good husband provides. So, you see that? So, what Jesus did was give us a finished work that the bride can just simply get to enjoy. The bride doesn't have to build her own house because the bridegroom already provided a house. We don't have to build a place in God, build some type of relationship with God. We get to simply inherit what the bridegroom gave to us. Hallelujah. An inheritance is something that you get to enjoy that you didn't have to work for. And so I feel like there's so many brides in the church today that's trying to build their own name. But a bride is supposed to receive the name of the bridegroom. That's why you don't hyphenate your name. <laughs> you don't put a dash with your old name and your new name you either are you all the way in this or you're not so Christ has given us a name above all names (laughs) if you is he So that means you probably don't trust your bridegroom that he can provide. So you're trying to hold on to your old identity. Right? What's that, Shanique? Shanique preaching over here. (laughs) My point is, is that provision has been made for us. That's why understanding that we are a new creation, that we are born again, that we have been adopted in the family of God. 
But adoption is to an orphan what marriage is to a bride. What happens when you're adopted? You enter into a family and you're given their name. <laughs> so that's what the Bible says. We, are, we, have, we have been adopted into the family of God, but also calls us the bride of Christ. Because in both cases, the identities have changed, have shifted. You have transferred identities. You have transferred identities. Your destiny is now found in the one who purchased you. Say, I have been purchased. And it was an expensive price. You see, somebody lied to us and told us that salvation was free. Look at somebody next to you and say, salvation is not free. Salvation isn't free. Salvation cost God the life of his one and only son. His blood was shed for you and your salvation. Grace is free for you, but it costs God everything. So the problem, I believe one of the problems that the church has today is because we don't know how much it costs. To really, it really costs God to provide salvation for us. We don't value or treat salvation like it's costly. I believe that if we really understood how much it cost, we will treasure, we will value, we will guard, we will steward our inheritance. We will steward our righteousness. We will steward this grace that we've been given. Grace is not cheap, although it's free. Come on. And I felt like before, even when we were, I'm, I'm, as we get into this lesson today, I want you to begin. I feel like God wants to enlarge our mentality. And he needs, he needs to enlarge our identity before he can enlarge our territory. We want our territory to be enlarged, but God needs to enlarge our identity. He needs you to know how wealthy you are. <laughs> Amen. Say, I have an inheritance, and I'm going to enjoy it while I'm on earth as well as in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. You may have your seats. Turn with me to Proverbs 13. I'm going to jump in right there. And um, as Ryan mentioned, uh, as we conclude 2018, how many of you are excited about the conclusion of your 2018? Woo! Amen. Has this been a good year for anyone? How, for how many of you, how, how, how many of you, has, this has been your best year in a, lot, in a long time? How many of you can say that? <laughs> I saw a number of you, the best year. Some of you guys started businesses this year. Some of you are in the process of becoming homeowners this year. Some of you guys got promotions this year. Come on, this is blessing season, receiving season. Amen. And um, I feel like one of the things that God is going to teach us next, as I was praying into this, again, the end of this year, as to God, what do we... What do you want me to talk about? Um, the Lord just kind of started leading me down this, this pathway of something called stewardship. And for those of you who were here last week, I gave a definition of what being a steward was or a steward. A steward is someone who manages the affairs or the property of another. Manages the affairs of another. And I said that God does not look at us, God does not call us owners. He calls us stewards. And I talked about last week how um, if the minute you begin to think that you own something, you actually become a slave to it. It actually begins to own you. You don't own anything on this world. God owns everything. Proverbs, I mean, Psalm 20, Psalms, the Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything, say everything. Everything. 
belongs to God. Amen. Everything belongs to God. And that's good news for you. <laughs> that's good news. You see, many people have a hard time being giving or being generous because the minute they get something they, and they think it's theirs, they have a hard time giving it away. Because maybe they don't know that there's more where that came from. You know, sometimes when you don't have nothing and you get something, you don't want to let go of it. But when you understand that you are the bride of Christ and that he has provided for us, he's already made preparations for us, he's already left an inheritance for us to enjoy, then I don't have to worry about little things like money. I don't have to worry. Say, I don't have to worry about money. Money is the least of my worries. Okay. And you have to say that because Jesus made it very clear that a lot of people um, are, are victims of a spiritual disease called greed. He actually said, and, and I, think, I think it was in the book of Mark, he said to watch out and be careful of greed because greed has a way of... of of, of, of uh, sneaking into our lives, especially living in America in 2018, where we live in a consumer-oriented society, where our government depends on your greed to survive. <laughs> the government and the, and the country actually is training you to be greedy. So we have... <laughs> no regulations on, on how much you are lended, how much credit they want to give you. I mean, before you're seven, before you're 18, they want to send credit cards to you and you have no job. Because they want you to go into debt so that you can spend the rest of your life working and paying back what you borrowed. It's amazing that a 17-year-old can get a bigger loan than some of you right now. <laughs> Without a job. <laughs> but the system of this country right now is banking on your greed and is very dangerous. Mark 7, 22, the Bible says, It is from within of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. He says, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these things. Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of his possessions. That's Luke 12, 15. Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in your abundance of possessions. Amen. So as we are, again, I want to provide a kingdom solution to financial problems in our lives. And I believe that God is giving us in this house, Hungry for God, I don't know about anybody else, but in this house, in this blessing season, along with the reception of our inheritance, I want to give you guys a principle that I believe is the most important key for kingdom living while you're here on earth. That if you don't understand this principle called stewardship, you will not be able to live or to experience the culture of heaven while you're still on earth. Because when, when, I, when I'm afraid of the fact that I, is I preach the kingdom and I preach heaven, I think that when most people hear that message, they just immediately think about miracles. They just think about miracles. And how many of you love miracles? I like miracles. I'm believing for some right now. However, one of the things that God taught me a few years ago was that the more mature you get in him, the less miracles you need. In fact, God is trying to bring us to a place when we don't need miracles. 
that miracles, see, miracles are really for unbelievers. Miracles are for, for the non-believers, those who are out there in the world. They need miracles. But the more mature you get in your identity in Him, the more mature you get in your, in your finances, the more mature you get in your relationships, the less miracles you need. Why? Because miracles is God providing a way of escape for you from your crisis. So if you need a miracle, it's because you have a crisis. So I need a miracle in my finances. Why? Because I squandered my money. I mismanaged my money. I spent it frivolously. I got into debt. I opened up this loan. I opened up these cards and I didn't have a plan. And now I have so much debt that I don't know how I'm going to get out. Right? So I need a miracle. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the miracle. But what happens if God gives you the miracle and brings you out of it, that debt? What's going to be different after that? Are you going to go back? And spend money the same exact way you spent it? You see, because here's the deal. I believe that believers today are, 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 are looking for God. They live, a lot of believers today, we're taking the grace of God for granted. And we go out and we want to live our lives and do whatever we want. And then we get ourselves in hard times or hard places. And then we need God to come and save us again. And it's like that's what the normal Christian life looks like for most Christians. God said to me, he said, when you apply principles, you won't need miracles. God has given us principles. Say principles. God has given us keys or principles, the keys of the kingdom, that when we apply these principles, while they may unlock miracles for us, it's not the basis for how we live our lives. We live our lives according to principles, not living our lives from one miracle to another miracle. Because then you need a crisis to get free from that you're putting yourself into that God, doesn't, God wants, to, uh, wants to teach you how to live above the poverty mindset. See, that's what we do. It's, it's literally a poverty spirit. When we as the church still need God to save us from our own ignorance. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 13. Watch this. Very familiar passage of scripture. Proverbs 13 says what? Verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So those of us that are in Christ, we are the righteous. We are the just. The just shall live by faith. And now here it is, Solomon tells us that our wealth is in the hands of the wicked. So the Holy Spirit began to ask me the question, why is it that, the, that our wealth is in the hands of the wicked. And we, 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 we've been prophesying that verse that there's a wealth transfer coming and God is going to take the, hand, the, the money that's in the wealth, in the wicked, and he's going to begin to give it to the righteous. And I've been hearing that since the 90s. <laughs> money cometh. Money cometh now to the body of Christ. And we've been prophesying and we've been praying and interceding for this money to come to the body of Christ. We're still waiting for it. I believe that there is a transfer coming, but I believe this principle, that this key 
is what's going to unlock that wealth and bring it into our hands. That key is called stewardship. Or in, in, in the term today, we call that management. Say management. And I'm learning currently, and I'm praying that you all would get a hold of this concept as well. You see, when I look back over the, 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 the Gospels, and I, I, we, we said things like Jesus preached about money more than he preached about hell, more than he preached about any other concept, which is true. But he didn't just preach about money. He preached about money and the concept of stewardship or management. He preached about the kingdom in, in, in context of being good stewards, being good managers. The reason why the wealth of the wicked is still in the hands of the wicked and is not being transferred to the righteous is because the wicked will manage money better than most of us. That's why most of our churches are broke. Our churches only attract broke people. That if wealthy people came to most of our churches, they won't be able to stay in there because of the dysfunction, because of the lack of order, the lack of management that's in most of our churches. Why? Because most of us have never been taught management. We've been taught miracles. We've been taught to expect for God to just answer our prayers. Newsflash, God will only answer the prayers that you're ready to manage. <laughs> God will, don't ask for anything that you're not ready to manage. It comes back to management. Look at Genesis 2 in the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, I learned something recently. Genesis 2 verse 4. The Bible talks about that when God created the heavens and the earth. Watch this. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Watch this. Verse 5. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. Watch this. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth, created the planet. And as he created the world, the Bible says there was no plants, there was no herbs, there was no blossoming, there was no life on the planet at one point. Can you imagine the planet right now without any life, without trees, without... Just see the globe and just see all the green and all, all, everything else gone. Just see brown and, and rock. At one point, that's how the world was. And the Bible says that when he created the world, he did not allow anything to grow on it. He, he withheld development. He withheld the increase of the, of the plants of the field and the herbs of the field. Why? He didn't cause it to rain because there was no man to work the ground. This is powerful. God withheld the rain from falling because he was waiting for a man to work. So God had a problem because here it is. He created this planet, this globe filled with abundance, filled with potential, but he couldn't release the potential of the planet until he created humans. So here in this verse, we find the primary motivation as to why God created man. It wasn't because he needed a worshiper. The word work in the Hebrew actually means manager. 
So what God needed on the earth was a manager, someone who was going to take care of the earth. This is where our dominion mandate comes from. To be fruitful, multiply, replenish, fill, subdue, have dominion. We were created to have dominion on the earth through work, through management. So let me go back. The primary motivation for the creation of man was to manage. Nothing grew because there was no man on the earth. What if the holdup in our lives for blessings and increase is not because God doesn't want to give it to us, it's because we're not ready to manage what he wants to give to us. What if it's not an act of spiritual warfare? What if it's not the demonic holding up the, the blessings from coming? <laughs> we love to blame the devil for our lack. What if it's just simply the fact that God is waiting for us to be ready to manage what he gives us? He didn't have a manager, so he didn't let it rain. See, until you understand this, you won't understand your purpose. He didn't say he needed, he didn't create us because he needed a, a preacher. He didn't create you because he needed a singer, because he needed an apostle, because he needed a prophet. He needed a worker, a manager. So that means God doesn't make people poor. God doesn't make anyone rich. All God does, see, we struggle, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life until you realize all God needs me to be is a good steward and a good manager of whatever I have. See, the parable of the talents tells us this specifically. He gave one person five talents, gave another person two, then another person gave one. It wasn't because God liked that person more, so he gave them five. And he didn't like this person less, so he gave them one. The Bible says he gave according to their own abilities. And all you have to do is realize if I take care of what I have, if I manage what I have. If I steward what God gives me effectively. See, we, we are in the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Kingdom is a government. Church is different. Like I said, most churches struggle. Most churches lack the financial uh, uh, um, integrity. Or most leaderships, even in our churches. And You'll go to seminary school. They won't teach you management. You'll learn the good theology. But when you step on to the pulpit and after you get off the pulpit and you have people to manage and you have money to manage and you have other people's time to manage, good theology isn't going to help you there. Good business skills helps you there. I want to show you another verse. Well, before I leave there, Genesis 2, 4. Let's go back one more time. Five. Before any rain came to the earth, God needed a man to work the ground, to till the ground. Why would God leave the earth void and the earth in deficit, and the earth in lack. Because God will protect his resources until he finds good management. God will protect his resources until he finds good management. 
which means God will protect his resources from bad management. God will withhold his resources from bad management. God won't allow growth with his bad management. Say, Lord, help me become a better manager. So let's go back to Proverbs 13. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. But before that, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Right? Your unborn grandchildren should be able to receive something from your inheritance. Something for some, something that you are left. That's how good of ma good managers we should be. Now, what I've learned is that clothes is not a good in inheritance to leave. Because what's in style today, more than likely won't be in style <laughs> two generations from now. Uh, it may come back in style, right? <laughs> but your clothes wear, wear out, wear off. It wears out. A car is not a good investment or a good inheritance. You see, you can't leave food behind as an inheritance. What is a good inheritance for your children's children? Ah. Somebody said assets. See, but somebody said real estate. So you see, the only thing you can really leave your children's children is real estate. That's why it's called real estate. <laughs> Land. Do you realize the Bible says that when the Bible shows us the progression of all of our spiritual ancestors. Abraham was given real estate. Isaac was given real estate. Jacob was promised real estate, land. David, Solomon, these, they, they, they were given, they, either they had land or they were told to pursue it. And you know that was God's God, the Bible says in, 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 in Matthew, the Beatitudes, that the meek shall inherit what? The earth. God wants you to inherit the earth. Not heaven. Why? Because God created you for earth. God wants you to inherit this planet. He created you for this planet. I'm going to tell you something that you probably never heard before. After you die and you go to heaven and we wait for the great day of judgment, you know what God is going to do? He put us right back on the earth. God didn't create you for heaven. He created you for earth. This, you want me to book it? God said the heavens belong to me, but the earth I have given to the children of men. Come on, that's the word. We're waiting to die to go to heaven. This is your planet. This is your, this is where God wants you to be. This is your territory. This is your land. Inherit the earth. So it's a sin to only believe that all your blessings are in heaven. Yeah. It might be coming from heaven, but you're here to bring heaven to earth. Yes. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, but he doesn't want those blessings to remain in heavenly places. He wants you to bring those blessings into the earth. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not, see, I'm not, you say, well, I'm a prosperity preacher. Yes, I preach prosperity. It's God's will for you to prosper. 
But life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. We, don't, we, don't, we understand that too. But the reality is this. God needs to get us to a place where we recognize he needs to bring that wealth that the wicked has, that the wealth of the wicked are being great managers of for us. There was coming a time when God says, I want to take that, that wealth out of the wicked's hands and bring it to the righteous so the righteous can fulfill my heavenly system on the earth. You see, blessing, we, we're worried about homelessness. We're worried about, about uh, illiteracy. We're worried about all the different plights in society that the righteous are called to fix. But we're having a hard time dealing with it because prayer is not enough. We need money to fix it. Come on. But the, the wicked value money more than the church. And because they value it, God allows them to hold on to it for us. So we shouldn't be quoting that verse. That's in, that we should be ashamed of that. That the wicked are holding, have to be given our stuff. <laughs> right? Because we can't manage it for ourselves. It's embarrassing. Look at Galatians. <laughs> Galatians chapter 4. Now I say, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Look at that verse. Pay close attention. You are the heirs of God. Amen. You are the heirs. God has called, has, has now adopted us into his family and we are inheriting the earth. But watch this. Now I say the heir is as long as, as long as he remains a child or a babe does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is the master of all. Although the earth belongs to us because it belongs to God and we belong to God and this is our inheritance. Although it belongs to us, if we remain babes, immature, the Bible says we will be no different than a slave, although we own it all. Look at the next verse. But it is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. <laughs> so some of those guardians and stewards are the wicked. That's why people who run some of our, the best companies and businesses in this world, they're not even believers, right? Most of us who are employed more than likely work for non-believers. Why is it that they own stuff? Why is it that they're the ones that's employing us? Why is it that we, the believers, need to be employed by non-believers? That we get paid from unbelievers? They're just better stewards than us. Jesus said, the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. Again, that's not what God wants it's just a reality. It remains under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. So I want you to realize this. There is, God has a, has a move, a financial move that he wants to bring into your life. God wants to bless your socks off. God wants, to, God wants to do things for us that we have never seen. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. All these things that we're praying into and all that's prophesied for us. I really believe that it's God wants to release things in his, in his house to us in this world today. But, everybody say but. God won't give you what you're not ready to manage. So that lets us know, Jones, answered prayers, answered prayer 
is only regulated by one's ability to manage. Answered prayer. So you prayed and God already got the answer. <laughs> My, the part I play in this is getting ready to be able to manage. So I believe that it is the, the administrator's time has come in the body of Christ. I'm going to be honest. I'm a visionary. And so I'm not really big on administration. Or I, I, I used to say that. I, I'm a great vision person. I'm a great leader. But I believe that the time has come that the managers and the, and the administrators and those who are great at bringing structure and government and order, it's the time for those believers to rise to the top. Because what God, the, the move of God that is ready. See, it's not just being a steward of money either. It's a steward of time, being good stewards of people, our greatest resource. See, we always say, you know, if God, this is something that people always say, if God was to send 200 people into this church right now, they all got saved walking past the church, and they all said, I'm going to come here. Are we ready to handle 200 more people? To serve them, love on them, train them, equip them, tell them who they are in Christ, get them ready to live their best life. Are we ready for that? <laughs> Somebody say. <laughs> he said maybe 15 more people. You can handle that. See? So that means... I can either plan for small or I can plan for big. And as big as I want an impact, I must also begin to plan and prepare for that. Are you seeing this? So if I'm praying for a million dollars, God is going to look at how well am I managing a thousand dollars? See, that's, what, that's the real question. Can God give you a million dollars? Yes. <laughs> well, God won't give it to you. God will send someone to give it to you. See, there's a difference. That's another thing. We pray and ask God for money. God, there's no money in heaven. If you want more money, what God is going to do is give you ideas for you to work and get the money. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> right? The money is already there. There's no shortage of money. You see, if, if you are bad at money, I mean bad at management, money will actually avoid you. And it is going to go towards the people who are good managers of it. See, that's stuff, all stuff I'm learning now. <laughs> are you seeing this? If you're, if you're not a good manager of it, doesn't mean you're a bad person. And there's different reasons why we might be bad managers. Some, maybe we just don't value money. Maybe we're just lazy. Maybe we're emotional spenders. Maybe we've never been taught the principles necessary to be good managers of money. You know, we say things like live within your means. You're not supposed to live within your means. You're supposed to live beneath your means, below your means. That means if I have $500, I don't live within $500. You get that? If you get paid $500, you don't have $500 to spend. If you're, living, if, you're not, if you're living within your means, you do. But you need to live beneath your means. So what, I'm, what am I supposed to do? At least for basic, this is basic biblical finances now. 
God says the first thing you do is the first 10% belongs to God. So I don't have 500. I have, what's 10% of 500? 50. So 50 of that, I know I'm giving to God. So I have 450. Then another thing you want to do is after you give to God, you give to yourself. So you should at least give yourself 10%. Oh, yeah, talked about this at home room? Awesome. Right? <laughs> you take another 10% and you save and you give it to yourself. So now that's another 50. So how much do you really have? 400. And now, if you have, if you owe, if you owe anyone, you now take care of your debt. See? Because you ain't really saving if you owe. We got money in savings, but we got, we got credit card debt. <laughs> you... <laughs> Right? And I, I'm not going to get all practical and we'll get in practical next week. But the, the point is, we need to learn these things because the church told us what to do with the 10%, but then teach us what to do with the 90%. So we don't learn about how to invest in stocks, how to invest in real estate, all these things that are important. If I'm going to be a good man, a just man, and leave an inheritance for my children's children, then that means I got to have more than enough to be able to pass down two generations. Come on. So God is not determining who's going to be rich or who's going to be poor. Our management is determining what we're going to be able to manage. It's not God. Hallelujah. 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 Say, I have power, I have power. to create wealth. Come on, Deuteronomy 8. God has given you the power to get wealth. Now, I believe in favor. I believe in miracles. And I believe God will give you favor. God will give you favor to get out of debt if you're in debt right now. God will begin to bless you and position you to, to be able to maneuver your way out of areas where you might have been a bad steward or a bad manager. But I believe right now, if you get a hold of this truth and say, God, make me a better manager. Make me a better steward. I'm ready to do what you want me to do with your property, with your resources with your money, with your time, with your car, with your house. This stuff doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. It belongs to Jesus. And if I do what you want me to do, you will make me the head and not the tail. You will make me above only and not beneath. Come on, y'all. God will make you a lender and not a borrower. Come on, how many of you are tired of just reading those verses and you want to actually live those verses? You actually want to be the head. You actually want to be the lender. Hallelujah. See, it all comes back to your management. Say, management. Help me manage me. Because that's where I got to start. Help me manage me, God. Manage my emotions. I want to manage my mind. I want to manage myself. That's what the Bible says. Be diligent. That's what it's all about. Ha, Maya. See, religion makes you lazy. You see, because when you have miracles, you don't need management. <laughs> So we prefer the miracles. You see, that's the difference between the wilderness and the promised land. The wilderness was where God miraculously cared for them, miraculously provided for them. They didn't have to work. God gave them food. They didn't have to manage themselves. God managed them. But the minute they crossed the promised land, God said, now you're going to have to work. You're going to have to fight wars. You're going to have to do what I was doing for you in the wilderness. They had to manage what God gave them. Once you step into the promised land, church, you have to shift from living miracle to miracle to now becoming a good manager. Yes, 
We have crossed over. <laughs> we were in the promised land. <laughs> I said, you're in the promised land. So now you're in the kingdom. The wilderness is the world. Now you're in the kingdom. God says, now you got to be a good steward. And he blesses you little by little. He wants to see how good you are in managing the little that you have. I can't, I mean, we don't have any more time. See, it doesn't make sense to pray. It doesn't make sense to pray beyond your management. said it doesn't make sense to pray beyond your management so my new prayer now is lord teach me to to maximize what i have been given hey shout out Marcier. i want you to pray that with me ha and i'm saying in every area of your life lord teach me to maximize what i have already been given Whoosh, that's it. There's anointing on that. I'm telling you, receive it. Your health. Mm. Your reputation, your influence, your positions. Whoa, Sarasie. Teach me to maximize what I have been given. Hmm. Teach me to love management. <laughs> as much as I learned to love miracles, teach me to love management now. And he's only giving you according to your ability. So whatever you have, you can manage. You can manage. And where you may have mismanaged, we just want to ask God to forgive us. Because there's grace for that. Amen. Lord, wherever I have mismanaged what you have given me, I receive new mercies today. If you need a miracle, say, Lord, I need a miracle for this situation I got myself into. But I commit, if you bring me out of this, I'll be a better manager. Hallelujah. Where do I start? Someone asks, where do I begin? Let me show you something about tithing. Now, again, I know that there's beliefs out there that not every under grace, we don't have to tithe anymore. But, but there is no system that can teach you how to be a good steward better than tithing. Uh, you see, it's like grace says you have the freedom to not do it. That's all it says. But the question is, do you want to, if you want to train yourself to be effective, see, you, 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 if you study successful, I mean financially successful people, you'll find that they all have the same patterns. And one of the patterns that are consistent with financially successful people is that they give 10%. And I learned success leaves clues. Success leaves clues. You study people that are successful, 
And you will realize there are people, people uh, they all practice a lot of the same stuff. And the same stuff that the Bible actually talks about. You never find a lazy, wealthy person, for example. You won't find it. <laughs> Can I just end reading these verses for you? It's all in the Proverbs. I'm going to just read it for you. See, you got to be diligent. Say diligent. I'm going to just read this and we're gone. Proverbs 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty. But diligent hands bring wealth. See, being diligent is being a good manager. Look at your hands. Tell your hands. Hands be diligent. Proverbs 12, verse 27. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. I will read that again. The, <laughs> the plans of the diligent lead to profit. P-R-O-F-I-T, not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, all right? <laughs> profit money, okay? The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste quick money shortcuts lead to poverty when you're diligent and you're being a good manager it means I'm willing to do the work you can't look on look at any top Forbes 500 list of millionaires and you'll never find a millionaire or a billionaire that got their wealth through lottery if you win 400 million dollars you should be immediately listed on the top $700 million, you, you're one of the richest people in the country. But you'll never see any of them on that list. Because hasty money leads right back to poverty. That's why they're broke in three years. Because you're trying to skip the process of work. That's why gambling and, and scamming and all this stuff is as quick as the money comes, it goes. Because hasty money leaves you, runs from you. But it always, it's always going to come back to the people that are diligent and are good managers of it. That's all it takes. That's the science. You're at home, you're not working, get diligent. I tell people, when you don't have a job, you should find somewhere to work. Serve. If you want to start your own business, before you start your own business, find somebody that's doing the business that you want to start and serve them. That's being a good steward. Why? Because a steward manages someone else's. If you don't want to serve... See, people... I know a person whose business won't succeed... If they've never took time to actually serve in the area that they actually want to do the work. I'm going to challenge you. If you want to step into any field of entrepreneurship, find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Stop thinking your idea is so magnificent and so different and nobody else got this idea and you got to do it yourself. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> You're not the first person to come up with your idea. Find somebody that is doing what you want to do and just sow your time, sow your energy, or just ask, learn, submit to them. Figure out how they're doing it well. 
glean from them. And what happens when you start your own? Because you are served. The Bible says if you want to be great, you must first what? Serve. Be a good steward of somebody else's vision. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's bless the Lord for his word. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.